Over 2,500 years ago, the holy city of Jerusalem was conquered by a hostile foreign army. Many of the Israelites were captured and taken to live as exiles in the enemy city, Babylon. The book of Daniel tells us the story of how God equipped his people to live faithfully during this time of captivity, in a place with very different values than their own. As we seek to follow God in our world today, we can learn a lot from Daniel's journey. His story shows us how we can live faithfully, with hope, wisdom, and integrity, as strangers and exiles. Good morning. I am so grateful to be here with you today. I'm, I want to say thank you to our uh, worship team, our, our band and singers today for leading us in that time of worship. I love that new song, Firm Foundation. Um, I, I learned that song maybe a month ago, uh, heard it at, at this conference I was at, and, um, and uh, it was a, you know, a few weeks ago, I stood up here and told you all about the dry season that I was in. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit today because I praise God that he is so faithful in dry seasons to grow our hunger and thirst for him, and, and then he fills us. And I'm grateful for what God is doing in my life, but uh, that song in, in, that, in the midst of that dry season was so special and meaningful to me. And one morning, I was... Uh, sitting at the breakfast table with my kids and I was eating oatmeal because that's what I like to eat. Not because it's healthy because I put butter and brown sugar in it and so it's not healthy, I just like it. Um, but uh, I'm sitting there and I was playing that song on my phone while I was sitting there eating my oatmeal and man, I, you know, I just started crying in my oatmeal just singing about the fact that he won't fail. And this morning, we're going to talk about trials. As we live as strangers and exiles in this world, we will face trials. It's inevitable. Some of you are in the middle of a trial right now. I pray that God would speak to you and would comfort you this morning, assure you of his goodness and his work in your life. Some of you just came off the heels of a trial and I pray that this morning God would show you what, what he was doing and what he is continuing to do in your life through that experience. And some of you are getting ready to face a trial. You just don't know it yet. And I pray that God would prepare you and help you to find yourself rooted deeply in who he is as you walk through that trial because trials are inevitable in this life. It is not if but when. <laughs> so let me encourage you with that, okay? And sometimes in the middle of those trials, God just meets us through a song and we end up crying in our oatmeal <laughs> and just having a sweet moment of his fellowship and presence sitting at the breakfast table and your kids are going, Dad, what's wrong? <laughs> what's happening right now? And man, I praise God for that. I praise God that he is a good, good father and that we are loved by him. Just as sure as trials are coming, what is also sure and true is that he is a good, good father, and we are loved by him. Those things are true. So this morning, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. It's the story of Daniel and the lion's den. So I, I'm just going to read the first 10 verses that kind of set up um, the story, and, and we're going to kind of jump back and forth through sections of 
Daniel chapter 6. We're also going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. As I've told you that Peter's letter to the, the church uh, in the, the early church, the first century, parallels much of the journey of Daniel as, as the early church, the early Christians are living as strangers and exiles in the Roman pagan culture of that time. We see parallels with Daniel and the Hebrew uh, people of God who were living in Babylon. So we're going to read Daniel 6, 1 through 10. I'm going to pray. We're going to do a quick little recap, and then we're going to get into the message for today. So why don't you all stand up with me as we read God's word together this morning out of Daniel chapter 6, the first 10 verses. If you remember last week, uh, we, we looked at Belshazzar, who was the last king of Babylon, co-regent with his father, and it tells us that the kingdom was taken away from him and given to the Medes and Persians, and Darius the Mede was the new king. And so, chapter 6 starts with this. Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps, that is kind of governors, uh, administrators, over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over them, three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. The administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. But they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy. And no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we'll never find a charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, may King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that as a law of the Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So, King Darius signed the written edict, and I love this verse 10. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house, the windows in its upstairs room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Let's pray. Lord, bless your word this morning. Your word is truth. Your word is powerful. Your word is alive and active. God, through your word this morning, I pray that you would comfort those who need to be comforted, that you would shake those up who need to be shaken, and that you would make alive those who are dead in their sins, because your word is the gospel, and it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So speak to us through your word, work in our hearts through your word. God, we give you this time and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. So, old Daniel is distinguished himself as uh, an honorable, trustworthy, incredible manager and ruler and administrator in the kingdom. 
he's been faithful to Nebuchadnezzar and the kings who would come after him during the Babylonian reign and now that Darius has come in and, and is really beginning the uh, administration of the Medo-Persian Empire, uh, Daniel has once again shown himself faithful. In fact, so faithful that Darius said, this guy should be in charge of everybody because there is no corruption in him. And it is because Daniel was living honorably. It's because Daniel was doing the right thing. It's because Daniel was faithful. He was incorruptible. He was a man of integrity. It was because of all of those things that those who were his enemies said, we got got to get this guy out of here. I mean, we can't take bribes if he's in charge because he's not going to allow that kind of stuff. So how do we get this guy out of here? We're not going to find anything unethical that he's done. So maybe, you know, since he loves and worships God, we can figure out a way to get him in trouble because of that. And they go to the king and they say, king, for 30 days, you're the king after all. I mean, they know how to suck up and they know how to convince the king that, king, there's nobody like you, so they should only pray to you. The king says, yeah, sure. Makes sense to me. Sign it. And Daniel finds out. And what does Daniel do? He goes home. And he doesn't hide in the closet. He doesn't throw his hands up in the air. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about isolator, assimilate. No. He, he prays three times a day just as he had done before. It was this faithfulness that got Daniel thrown into a lion's den. I mean the trial of his life. It wasn't because he messed up. It wasn't because he was living in sin. So, so what is it? So what is it? We've been talking about in this series that there is a kingdom of this world. That was week one. There is a kingdom of this world. We need to recognize that we are strangers and exiles. That this world is not our home as Rick talked about this morning. We, then week two we said we need to recognize that God is in control. Even as we live in this world that is uh, vying for our attention and our allegiance, God is still in control and he is ruling and reigning and we can trust him. Week three, we said we need each other. If we're going to live this life as the people of God, living in the kingdom of this world, we need each other. We need to pray for each other and encourage each other. Week four, we said we must stay engaged. We can't isolate ourselves. We can't assimilate and just become like the culture around us, and we can't fight everybody that disagrees with us. We have to be engaged because we said Babylon needed Daniel. And our world needs us. And last week we talked about pride and the reality that we must submit to God. We must submit to God. And even if you are recognizing, right, the kingdom of the world around you, and and even if you're recognizing that God is in control, and even if you have believers around you, and even if you're engaged in the culture, and even if you're submitted to God, you will still face trials. (laughs) That's what the book of Daniel teaches us. So this morning, I want to talk about trials. The, The first thing is just this. There will be trials in life. Count on it. Count on it, right? In 
And sometimes when we're facing trials, we throw our hands up in the air and we go, God, why, 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 why would you allow this? Why would you allow me to face this? I've been doing everything right. And maybe some of you are in a season right now where you're facing a trial and, and you feel like, I've been doing everything right. God, why would you allow this in my life? And I'm here to tell you this morning that God has a plan. God has a purpose in the trial. God really is working all things together for your good and for his glory. But we live in the kingdom of this world. This world is not our home. This world is broken. And as we live in this world, we will face trials. The good news is this, God uses those trials to strengthen us. God uses those trials to strengthen us. I want to read out of 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3, where the writer says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's a pretty good description. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith more valuable than gold which though perishable is refined by fire may result in praise glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ though you have not seen him you love him though not seeing him now you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith the salvation of your souls. This passage tells us that we're living in this world with a hope that there is a future. And while we're living in the kingdom of this world as the kingdom, as people of the kingdom of God, we will face trials. We will face trials. I want you to say, we will face trials. One, two, three. Right? I would tell you to say it like you're excited about it, but if you're excited about it, you're weird. Um, you know, James tells us that we should consider it joy when we face trials of various kinds because God works through those trials to strengthen us. Um, and it's true that God is working in those trials. Daniel, Daniel had faced all kinds of trials up to this point in his life. By the time we get to Daniel in Daniel chapter 6, he's in his 80s. He had lived through almost all of the Babylonian empire. He had seen his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown in a fiery furnace, and he had seen God deliver them. He had seen kingdoms come and go, and he recognized that God was in control through all of it. So he was able to trust God at this season of his life. And if trials are going to strengthen us, then we have to recognize that God is working in those trials. 
Because if we don't believe that God really is strengthening us, sharpening us, making us better through trials, then, then we'll just grow bitter. If, if we don't trust God through our trials, then, then we'll grow cynical, we'll grow bitter, we'll grow apathetic, we'll grow angry. However you process disappointment, because <laughs> we all do it a little bit differently, right? Some of us just kind of shut down. Some of us get mad at everybody around us. Some of us try to hold on and control things because our life feels out of control. Whatever it is, if we don't recognize that God is in control, if we don't, like Daniel, go to God three times a day, he, he went to God to seek God, to pray to God, to know God more, then our trials won't strengthen us, but they'll ultimately kill us. You know, the, the, old, the old adage, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Sometimes what doesn't kill you leaves you crippled for life. <laughs> it doesn't make you stronger. And if we don't recognize that God is working through our trials, then we won't get stronger, we'll get crippled for life. So we have to recognize that through the trials, God is working. God is working. Uh, talk to you about the dry season uh, that I've been in uh, a few weeks ago and and. Some of you have asked me about that, and so, a lot of you have told me you're praying for me. I got some of the sweetest cards that next week, and man, I'm so grateful for that. That's why we have a church, that we need each other to encourage each other, and, 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 and really, God is, has been working in my heart and life. Those dry seasons make us thirsty, you know? Um, one time a guy prayed for me, uh, this other pastor, and he, he prayed, God, I pray that you would put salt on his lips so he would get thirsty for you. Um, and sometimes in those dry seasons, God is just increasing our thirst and desire for him so that we'll seek him, so that, so that we don't rely on our own strength. And, and I can look back and see how God has been doing that. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, man, I'm, I'm excited right now. I'm more excited right now than I've been in a long time about ministry, about this church, about what God is doing. My wife and I have had incredible conversations. We got to go away for uh, just one night um, around my birthday, and, and we rode in the car up to Jacksonville, and man, just had incredible conversations and, and crying and praying, and um, I, I kept my eyes open while I was driving, uh, but it's in those seasons where we finally say, God, I'm, you're in control, I'm not. It's in those seasons where we finally say, God, I've been frustrated with you. I've been saying, why would you let this, why would you let this be like this? God, I've been trying to do things right. Why, why would you allow this? When we, finally, when we finally come to the end of ourselves and we, and we turn to him, man, he meets us. <laughs> he meets us. He meets us. And I'm grateful for that. But we need to recognize that God is working through our trials. Sometimes in the middle of the trial, you want to give up. You want to walk away. Pastors are not immune from that. There's sometimes on a, 
on a Monday where I think, you know what, I could, I could be a garbage man. <laughs> you know, garbage cans, they don't talk back and they, they just, you know. And now they're automated. I don't have to get up. I just push the button and, you know, because they pick up my garbage on Mondays and I, and I see them out there. I go, that could, that could be nice, you know. And, and when we're facing hard times, man, all of us, if we're being honest, there's days when we want to, we think something else could be easier than this. But God is working. God is preparing us for the next season. And Daniel recognized that God was working. And so when the, when the new law came down that said you can't pray to any other God except for the gods of Babylon and, and Persia and, and the king... Daniel said, I, I don't know about that because <laughs> I need the living God. And he prayed and he sought God. And it was because of his prayers that he faced this trial, which is crazy. But God was working through his trials. Well, the other thing we see from the life of Daniel is that God is with us in our trials. God is with us in our trials. So in Daniel chapter 6, it tells us that these, uh, these satraps came to the king and they said, Hey, king, Daniel has been praying to his God and he's not supposed to do that. You got to throw him in the lion's den. Do you, how many of you had, have that person in your life? I mean, I remember in school... When I, was, when I was a kid in school, there was always some, but the tattletale in class, right? You remember that person? And sometimes we still have those people in our life, even as grown adults. <laughs> but these guys, they go to the king, Dan's not supposed to do that. He, he's breaking the rules and the king, scripture tells us, is saddened because Daniel has been so faithful, but he, but he made this law and he's got to follow through and throws Daniel in the lion's den tells us that the king stayed up all night and prayed that Daniel would be safe. The next morning he gets up and he goes to the lion's den and you know the story. He says, Daniel, Daniel, is everything okay? And Daniel says, I'm good. The angel of the Lord came and shut the mouths of the lions. God was with Daniel. God was with Daniel in that lion's den. And Daniel was delivered. Now, let me tell you something that's just as true. If Daniel had gotten eaten by those lions, God would have still been with him in that lion's den. Because there's lots of people who have been faithful to the Lord who have been eaten by lions. <laughs> I say that figuratively, but I also say that literally. When Peter wrote this letter to the early believers, it was a time in history where Christians were literally thrown into the Roman Colosseum and they let out lions to kill them. And it was sport for the people of Rome. And God was with them. God was with them. Even as they were losing their life, 
God was with them. There are stories and, and testimonies of the early church that talks about God's presence. If you remember the story of Stephen in the book of Acts, Stephen was the first martyr for the Christian faith. And it tells us that the, the people in Jerusalem dragged him outside of the city and they began to throw stones at him. And it says that he saw the Lord. And he said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, reflecting the words of Jesus on the cross. God was with him, even as he was facing a trial that led to his earthly death. And it was through his death that the word of God began to spread like crazy. Because sometimes our trials are not just about us. Sometimes our trials are not just about us. Stephen faced this trial and, and God met with him and he had this incredible experience with God and, and he breathed his last breath on earth and his next breath was in the presence of Almighty God, of his Savior, Jesus Christ. But that trial that he faced led to the incredible spread of the gospel. Augustine said, the blood of the martyrs became the seed of the church. These trials that were faced spread the gospel throughout the world. God uses trials to strengthen us, but he also uses trials to strengthen others uses our trials to strengthen others. I can't tell you how many times I have been encouraged and motivated and challenged by, walk, by watching other brothers and sisters in Christ face trials. God has used their faithfulness and their testimony to shape me and to mold me and to stir my heart. And maybe you're facing a trial right now and I just want you to know that people are watching you face that trial. And God is using the trial you're facing to shape others. And that's, that's a heavy burden, I know. But it's also an incredible privilege. God is with us in our trials. This morning in our prayer time at nine o'clock, we read through Romans chapter eight. It's my favorite chapter in the Bible. Romans chapter 8. If you've, if you've ever thought, I really, I really want to start reading the Bible consistently, but I don't know where to start, then this week, read Romans chapter 8 every day. There's 39 verses. That's a, it's a good chunk of Scripture. If you just read it every day, or maybe, maybe, so we'll set 39 divided by 7. I don't know what that is, but like five verses a day? No, five, six. Five and a half verses a day. But man... Read Romans 8 every day this week. There's a little challenge for you. But Romans chapter 8 talks so much about the Spirit who is at work in our lives. When we face trials, the Spirit is with us. The Spirit himself, Romans 8, 16 says, testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. In our times of suffering and trials, God is with us through his spirit. That's why Romans 8 ends and says, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing, nothing, no trial can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. 
So the last thing to know about trials is this. Our trials are not the end of our story. Daniel was delivered from the lions. And he continued to live a few more years. We don't, we don't know how long, we don't know when Daniel died, but he was already in his 80s when he got put in the lion's den. But even if he had been killed by those lions, that wouldn't have been the end for Daniel. Now, Daniel chapter 6 also tells us that after Daniel is pulled up out of the lion's den, the king is mad at the guys who accused Daniel. He said, God delivered Daniel, but now you guys are going to the lion's den. Tells us that he got them, not only them, but their families, and threw them in the lion's den. And that's a tragic story. And it tells us before they hit the bottom of the pit, the lions had crushed every bone in their body. The reason I say that is because we can face the lions with God, knowing that he's using the lions and the trials of our life to shape us. And even if we get eaten by the lions, that's not the end of the story. Or we can face the lions and the trials of life which are coming, which are inevitable, without the Lord and without his presence. And before we hit the bottom of the pit, it could be over. Crushed. During our prayer time this morning, my wife, who is more spiritual than me, said, it just reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And in the kingdom of this world, there is a ruler, the king the prince of the power of the air. It's the devil. Next week's going to get a little weird just to let you know because the end of the book of Daniel gets a little weird. <laughs> There's all kinds of prophecies and spiritual battles that take place. But here's the reality. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a spiritual experience. And as we live in the kingdom of this world, we will face trials because we live in a broken, sinful world. And if we are the people of God, then God is with us in those trials and he's using those trials to shape us and make us better. And one day, all of the trials will be over and we will See him face to face. Scripture says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered into the mind of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. But if we face the trials of life without God, without his presence, then that lion that we face is an enemy who wants to devour us. So this morning, 
get ready. If you're not in a trial yet, it's coming. And God wants to use that trial to shape you and to strengthen you and to strengthen and shape and sustain others. God, God will do that in and through your life. And sometimes the trials are really, 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 really hard. Sometimes they don't end the way we want them to end. And we pray and we ask God to do something and he doesn't do the thing we prayed and asked him to do. But that's not the end of the story. Because God is not shaping us and preparing us and strengthening us just to live a few more years or to make a few more bucks or to have some more influence. He is shaping us and preparing us for glory. It's what Rick talked about this morning. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal and destroy. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that is, that is practical. That is physical. That is monetary. As we give, God uses that to expand his kingdom. But it's also a spiritual reality. I mean, what are you investing in? What are your priorities? And as we face trials in this life, either we'll be shaken and crumble, or we'll be strengthened and stand firm. It's what we sing about. Christ is our firm foundation. Rains came, winds blew. My house was built on you. I'm safe with you. I'm going to make it through because... Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful to generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. He won't. Or we used to sing it like this. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. One of the verses says, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And this morning, you're going to face trials. Sorry <laughs> to be the bearer of bad news. And you know that. How do you want to face them, though? That's the question. Do you want to face them alone? Or do you want God to walk through those trials with you? and use them to strengthen you and to strengthen those around you. We're going to sing this morning and just have a time to respond. And as we do, maybe you're facing a trial right now. 
in a room like this, it's inevitable. And maybe some of you are getting your tails kicked. This morning, I just want to encourage you that God is working. And maybe you just need to come to him this morning and say, God, I'm, I'm really struggling. Remind me. Show me what you're doing. Help me to trust you. Help me to trust you. Maybe some of you are facing a trial and you're facing it alone. You've never come to a place where you've put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your savior, to be your firm foundation. Today, I, I pray that today will, will be the day that you would turn to him and let him become that firm foundation for you. The trials we face on this earth are not the end of the story. For those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, and Jesus faced the ultimate trial for us on the cross. Jesus was crushed, Scripture says. Crushed for our iniquity, for our sin. And by his stripes, by his wounds, we have been healed. And so when we face trials... We are not facing the ultimate trial that Jesus faced. Because in our trials, we are not forsaken by God. But Jesus, on the cross, said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did that for us. So that we could come to him for salvation. We have an enemy who is a lion seeking whom he may devour. But we have a God who is a lion, the Lion of Judah. And when we are in him, <laughs> he is fighting for us. And he's a bigger lion than that lion who wants to devour. And you can face your trial on your own, or you can let the Lion of Judah go before you and fight your battles. And when you do, he's with you, he's shaping you, he's changing you, he's conforming you into his image, and he's using your life to be a picture of his grace to others. Stand up with me, let's pray. God, we love you this morning. We thank you this morning. Romans 8, 28 says that you are working all things together for our good and for your glory. The trials and the difficult seasons of life. And Lord, there's some here this morning who are in the middle of a trial. And I pray that you would just encourage them and remind them that you are with them they would find comfort and peace and strength in that. God, the trial may not end, but they can know that you're with them. God, there are some here this morning who are getting ready to face a trial, and I just pray that you would strengthen and equip and encourage them for the season that they'll face. Help us as a church to love each other well and walk alongside each other well. God, there's some here this morning who 
as they face the trials of life, they are facing them alone because they've never come to a place of faith and trust in you. God, I pray if there's anyone like that here today that you would draw them to yourself. Thank you that you're with us. In Jesus' name. As we sing this song, I want to invite you to respond in prayer. I'd love to pray with you if you want to pray with somebody. But whatever God is speaking to you, I invite you to respond.